Man, how many of y'all just excited to be here this morning? I am, I am, I'm really excited. I have, uh, I've been praying this week, dealing with the trials of life. I'm going to bring my Bible with me so that way I don't have to go back and forth. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to this point where I was like, man, I set goals for myself. How many of y'all are goal setters? Everybody set goals. How many of you have like a Google calendar? Just you put stuff on it, tells you when you need to do this, when you need to do that. One of the things on my Google calendar is every Monday, it says, write a sermon for Sunday, right? It's like, write a sermon. I was like, okay, man. So Monday comes and it's like, man, Lord, I'm here. I'm ready. I am like, this is what I'm going to say. And crickets. I mean, you know. Not in by large. I mean, the Lord speaks to me in other ways, but he's like, I'm not telling you what you're going to preach. He said, just enjoy your Monday off. I'm like, okay, God is obviously wants me to, I don't really take off on Mondays, but, you know, he just kind of says, okay. So Tuesday, I just move it over to my calendar, write a sermon, nothing. Wednesday, we get busy with stuff and this and that. Thursday, it's like, oh my goodness. Jesus, Friday, I'm like, I gotta have a word, Lord. Saturday, I'm just like, Lord Jesus, can you just give me something? Sunday morning, so I woke up this morning and I had an idea of what I wanted to preach and I got up and I was just typing away. Oh, this is so good. Let me go get ready for church. So I go hop in the shower and I have that hot shower anointing come upon me. Shaka yabasi. You know, and it's like, Lord, Jesus is like, nope, this is what we're preaching. And I, I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus, because that's way better than what I had. Way better. Well, we've been in a series over these past couple of, uh, well, the past week or so call, called uh, Doing the Work of an Evangelist. Come on, how many of y'all have ever been to an evangelistic service, church service? Oh, man. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing like being in the room with a man who is on fire, or a woman who is on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, so when we say, man, do the work of an evangelist, we kind of relegate all of that type of work to these high profile kind of guys and gals. You know what I mean? Like I need Nathan Morris to run back and forth and sweat through his jacket. That guy's got an anointing on his life. And it's like, if I can't do that, well, then obviously I'm not an evangelist. But I think that the, 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 what we read here about doing the work of an evangelist goes beyond just simply the office of an evangelist. How many of you realize that we are all called to evangelize? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're an evangelist? Come on. Say, look at, look at your neighbor back and say, I'm an evangelist. I want to just read from the, from the Bible here this morning. Let me make sure I got all my places marked. And we're going to be in, in um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me. Um, man, sometimes I really wish somebody would just turn there for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, my goodness. If you ever want to be a preacher, then uh, it's better to put little earmarks where you're going to go. When you preach, rather than just kind of standing up in front of a bunch of people, trying to find chapters and verses. But all I'm really doing is giving you time to find it yourself. Amen? I'm really doing you a favor. Y'all there? 2 Timothy chapter 4. And, and I just want to read this. This is kind of my anchor verse for these past, or for these next couple of weeks. 
something I really want to get into our heart uh, as a church because it's important. This is what we read. This is Paul speaking to Timothy as he's sending him out to go and, and establish churches. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Come on, say, let's say it together. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, come on, look at your neighbor, say, but you. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. I want to just kind of flip real quick over to the book of Acts and read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is what it, it reads. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's go to the Lord together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that today your word will become real. It will come alive within the hearts of those who hear me. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, begin to open up our hearts to receive what you would say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Come on, I want to just take some time here this morning to talk to you about preaching the word. Come on, how many of you realize we are all called to be an evangelist? And if we are called to be an evangelist, to do the work of an evangelist, we need to know what the word is that we're going to preach. Come on, we, I think even in church circles, we get so confused about what is the gospel? This is what the gospel is. If you look at a direct transliteration of gospel, it simply means this, good news. If you ask, if you say, what is an evangelist? Just someone who speaks the what? Good news. An evangelist is simply someone who just tells people the good news about Jesus Christ. Do the work of an evangelist. Listen, I've been to New Orleans. I've been to Dallas. I've been to Lafayette. I've been to several downtown areas. And there's always this one guy who's standing on a street corner with a sandwich board saying, repent, you're all going to hell in Jesus' name. Jesus hates you and he wants to destroy you unless you give your heart to him. How effective is that really? And you would ask him, man, what are you doing? I'm evangelizing. Really? Is that what you call that? I mean, there's a place for that. I love street preachers. I mean, I think street preachers are amazing, but there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And the church for too long has adopted some of the wrong principles of what the gospel is. Come on, Jesus didn't die to beat me up across the head with the Bible. He died to save me from my sins, that I can have new life in him. That's the gospel. Jesus died that I don't have to live in addiction. I don't have to live in depression. I don't have to live in anxiety, but I can live in the joy of the Lord who gives me strength. That's the gospel. So Jesus, so Paul is telling Timothy, he says, do the work of an evangelist, preach the word. And I believe as a church, 
as we look in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, wait, right? He says, until you're endued with power, he says, then when you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? Man, I want power from the Holy Spirit. You see, there was once upon a time when I used my own self-will to keep me out of trouble. I wasn't that good at it, if I'm being honest with you. I had some struggles. Like, I mean, sin is tempting. I'll just be honest with you. And it wasn't tempting in a kind of a way like, Joe, if you drink this beer, you're going you're gonna to basically be broken and beat up in a ditch somewhere. It wasn't really like that. It was kind of more, very more subtle than that, right? Sin is very subtle. I mean, even, even the devil was able to deceive Eve in the garden. Wasn't with this Eve. If you do this, all of mankind for the rest of eternity will be destined for a devil's hell. Had he told her that, she probably wouldn't have eaten the fruit. Sin is subtle, right? And I need power to keep me from living in sin. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you shall receive power. What? To be witnesses, to be evangelists, to be a herald, to be a speaker. Now, I devoted my entire life to telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what I do. I mean, I, I, it's like my living and everything, you know. It's this great honor. It's this huge privilege. I just get to be a witness. And Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So he gives us some direction, right? He says, go start where you're at. And if you look at a, an, the etymology of Jerusalem, it simply means Jerusalem. It's two words. It means the pillar of peace are the foundation of the God of peace. And I believe that we need to be evangelists right here in our own house. Right here in our own house. Man, there's nothing more powerful than someone walking through these doors and hearing those words, welcome home. Welcome home. I don't care what your background is. Welcome home. I don't care that you were drunk last night. Welcome home. I don't care that, that you got, I mean, pick a sin. I mean, I'm not going to go through them all. You got it. Welcome home. Welcome home. That's the message of the gospel is that we have a home to run to. That's the pillar of peace. We need evangelists in the house of God who welcome people home, people who are willing to take the ring and the robe and to, to slaughter the fatted calf and to make a place for those who are outcasts. That's the gospel. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, welcome home. Well, this is your home. Well, this is the place of peace. This is the place of understanding. We are all sinners. I mean, let's just be real about that. Anybody thinks they got it all together, come talk to Doc, and he's just going to tell you, you need to repent and give your heart to Jesus. That's his message, right? We don't have it all together. We're a bunch of messed up people. I heard someone say one time, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there. You're going to mess it all up. That's just the nature. We're a bunch of broken people, so we need to evangelize and we need to minister and tell people the good news that you can find freedom through Jesus Christ in the house of freedom, in the place of peace, in the place of hope. Man, that's exciting stuff. I love it. I love when people tell me they walk through the doors of our church and they can feel the love of Jesus in the atmosphere. It's not because I'm a good preacher. It's because you are here and you love people because you love Jesus. And Jesus tells you to love people. That's in the Bible, too. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Bible also says to love other people. Let's not forget that part. Then he says, go from Jerusalem to Judea. I want to talk about that a little bit here today. You know, that word Judea is, a, is an interesting word. That's the region just south of Israel. It was a region within the nation of Israel, and it became actually a nation of itself. It was the, the nation of, of Judah, Judea, right? Named after the son, one of the sons of uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He named his sons. One of them was, was Judah, right? And that word really means, it has a, a name. You know what it is? It means praise. That's right, Doc. It means praise. So I believe that Jesus is saying, first of all, you need to go into the, into the place of my peace, and then you need to establish the place of my praise. You know, so, so many times we get into the place of peace and the world looks on and says, man, that's a, that is a, that's, that's church. Whew. I want to go that. No, I don't think so. Because we don't know how to praise. As a matter of fact, if you ever heard of someone called, uh, that's a, that's kind of a Hebrew background. They're called what? A what? A Jew, right? Because they're called a Jew. Why? Because that's the first letters in Judah, right? Judah. They were, as they were put on this earth to establish a place of praise for the Lord God Almighty. Come on, if the church doesn't begin to rise up and establish praise in our communities, the rocks will cry out. Ain't no rock crying out on my behalf. I will give him praise. I will go to city council meetings. I will go to sports complexes. I will go to sporting events. I will go to city council meetings and declare the praises of King Jesus everywhere that I go. You see, Jesus tells us, he says, go to Jerusalem and then go to Judea. Judea was also, it's a region. So basically what Jesus is saying, don't just go to the church and share the good news. Go outside the church and share the good news. I believe this is the way I like to think of it. Jesus says, go to the saved and minister to the needs of the saved. Come on, what, is he, what do you need to be, do to be saved? Do you have to repent, say 17 Hail Marys, seven Our Fathers, and then you know, walk on the ground with, with no shoes across the United States and make pilgrimage to Israel? No. All you have to do is confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you shall be saved. This is what it means. We need to have people who minister to the saved. Because how many of you know, whenever you get saved, then there needs to come a little bit of sanctification, a little cleaning up. I mean, you have to treat people, you have to teach people how to, how to be saved. They don't even know how to be saved. And I'm not talking about, well, son, you need to start tucking your shirt in. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, daughter, you need to wear longer skirts or dresses and you need to put your hair in a bun. That's not what I'm talking about. How to be saved. No, you need to know that you don't have to live in sin anymore, that sin has been defeated by, by Jesus Christ, that death itself is broken. This is the message, this is the good news, that now that you're saved, you don't have to live lost anymore. You have a new life through Jesus Christ. I love that, man. It's like revelation to me. Like, you mean to tell me that, that I don't have to live in shame anymore? No, man. Share your testimony because all that stuff is dead. You know the only person that doesn't complain about obituaries? Dead people. 
See, when I share my testimony, I'm just telling you about some guy that was dead a long time ago that was broken. He was an alcoholic. He was a, I mean, he was addicted. Let's just say the least. I, I don't care what you think about who I was. Who I was is less important than who I am. And that's less important than who I'm going to be. My identity isn't in that broken stuff. It's in Jesus. So I believe that that ministry to Jerusalem is ministry to the saved. I I believe that ministry to Judah is ministry to the same. That's the terminology I like to use. Ministry to the same. How many of you work at a church? Raise your hand if you work at a church. Few of you. Okay, very few. All of them sit in the front row. Thank you for that. How many of you work outside the church? Okay, fantastic. How many of you are students? A few students, amen. How many of you are go shopping and see people in the grocery store from time to time, right? Let me just tell you, that is your Judah. That is your Judea. That is your mission field. That is your calling. It's the ministry to the same. Same, S-A-M-E. That's the terminology. I just You can pick your own term if you want to. That's the one I'm using. It's the people who you're around all the time. The people who talk like you, act like you. I worked 20 years in the oil field. I was a fishing tool supervisor, salesman. I did everything. I know fishing tools inside, outside, upside down. I can go fish hammers out of oil wells that are 20,000 foot deep. I know how to do it. If you need any work, just call me. I have a, just a small fee. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm out of that business. God pulled me from being fisher of oil tools to fisher of men. I mean, I have a new calling, a new vocation, a new direction. But man, when I was working in the oil field, you can be sure that I was, it was easy for me to share my faith with them because we spoke the same language. We were the same. It's marketplace ministry. It's really that simple. It's not complicated. Listen. Uh, yeah, I'll say it. Okay. If, you, if you're bringing people to church hoping that they would hear the gospel, you've got it backwards. That is good, Doc. Because, because this, I'll tell, I'll preach the gospel. I'll preach the truth. But man, if they can't hear it from you, what makes you think they're going to receive it from me? I mean, you're like them. You're right there in their circle. I tell you, man, I, I love talking to my dad or, or people who knew me before I was saved, Joe, right? Because they're like, man, you just aren't the same. I'm like, no, I'm not. Even people who were in the oil field, because I worked in the oil field and I got saved while I was working in the oil field. So there are certain guys who are like, Joe, holy smokes, man, what have, what are you smoking? It's about smoking Jesus. I don't know how that works, but if that's the terminology you want to use, right? I mean, it's as easy for me to share the gospel. Man, Jesus loves you. Do you know that Jesus loves you? And we need to know how to preach the word. So I'm going to teach you how to preach the word here this morning. But more than that, I just want to preach the word myself and in a real simple and effective manner. And and, and I'm going to be preaching out of John chapter 3. John chapter 3, the gospel of John, the good news of John chapter 3. The gospel is a good news. Come on, look at somebody say it's good news. Come on, good news is better than bad news. It's good news. And we need to make sure that every time we preach the gospel, it's always good. Every time. I mean, even when someone's living in sin and you're trying to sell them, man, you're living in sin. Don't even make that good news. Because we need to understand that people who are in sin don't want to be. I, I just believe that with all of my heart. I mean, there's people who are like bound up. It's a bondage of sin. And if they can't recognize their own bondage, what makes you think that you're going to pull them out of it? 
Come on, the, the father didn't go and get the prodigal son and bring him home. The prodigal son realized that he was living less than his inheritance and he went home. Come on, somebody say welcome home. I mean, I, I wasn't I didn't get saved so I can be part of a church. I got saved so I didn't have to be part of sin anymore. I got tired of living less than. I got tired of living broken. I got tired of living addicted. I got tired of waking up with hangovers. And I wanted to start walking in the fullness of who God called me to be. John chapter 3. It's the good news. It's the good news. I'm going to start in verse, verse 1. Is this okay that I preach like this? I'm just going to preach and believe that the Holy Spirit's going to give me the words. I have some words on my tablet up there, but, you know, I'm just going to preach as the Lord leads this morning because I believe it's that easy. I just want to show you that you can do this. You can do this. Friends, if you have a Bible or a phone or something in your hand, you have more than enough to reach people and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you don't need notes and Logos Bible software and Bible school degrees. All you need is Jesus and a burning passion for the lost. You know, some of us... Some people, they know all about Jesus. What they lack is a passion for the lost. Come on, they, they know how to, they can expound and exegete the word of God. They know every single detail of every thing, single thing in the Bible. But what they lack is, the, is, is a love for the lost. There was a story of a guy, his name was William Booth. Y'all ever heard of him? William Booth was the founder of, of the Salvation Army. And he was, he would go and establish missions all over the United States. And this one particular guy who he had discipled, a couple of particular guys he discipled, they went to try to establish a mission in a city. And they couldn't, it wouldn't work. And so they would write letters, correspondence. This was back in the day, you know, writing letters, man. I miss those days. I hate texts. They write letters and, and, and they write letters. You know, Brother Booth, or General Booth, I think is what they called him. General Booth, we, we, we can't reach these people in this city. It's too difficult, you know. We tried everything. I mean, we tried every program. We tried prayer. We tried worship. I mean, we tried painting the building. We tried everything we know how to do. And, and, and General Booth wrote back in his letter two words. Try tears. You see, most of the time, the problem isn't our knowledge. The problem isn't what our capabilities, our preaching abilities. The problem, for the most part, is our lack of love for those who are genuine, genuinely lost. That's why the guy who's just standing there in the sandwich board on Bourbon Street isn't having that much success. He's madder at the people that he's preaching to than he does love them. Man, we got to learn to love people. Broken people. Messed up people. Man, 20 years ago, this guy, three DWIs. I had all kinds of charges, like, I mean, like assaulting a police officer. That's a bad idea, by the way. Because you're going to get punished for that immediately. Immediately. There is a sheriff department car driving around Calcasieu Parish with dents in the hood that my head fits perfectly into. I don't know. They probably got a new hood by now. I learned my lesson the hard way. Now I love cops. I mean, I used to, man, I would get, I would be like riding in my car and I'd see a police officer and like my hands would start to sweat. You know, I'd like, I'm driving five miles per hour below the speed limit, you know. 
Now I'm like, oh, man, I pray for them and bless them. It's like they're my friends. You know what I mean? They get the same mission as me to say, try to save the world, do the best they can with it anyway. Yeah, we got to learn to love people. When I walked into that church, man, I was a mess. They just loved me right where I was at, just how I was. I mean, that's just what it is. So, so if we go out and preach the gospel and re- lead someone to Jesus, and we bring them here, and the first thing they get to hear is, well, there, young man, you need to cut your hair. I don't know that people say that kind of stuff anymore. That was like a, do they? Okay. Yeah. Really? That's really that? Um, okay. All right. Praise God. I didn't know. Living in the Jesus bubble, you know. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can see signs that you do unless God is with them. I just want to take a moment and talk about this man named Nicodemus for just a second. You know, Nicodemus came to Jesus because he saw something unique about Jesus. It says that Nicodemus, in fact, he was a Pharisee, which means he was a Jewish man and he was a man that was highly involved and and highly involved and well esteemed within his community. Nicodemus was likely a man who was well respected. When he walked into the room, everybody was like, hey, Nicodemus, it's great to see you. He was well liked. He was a great guy. But he always had realized something, that something was missing within his life. You know, Nicodemus was probably pretty well off. You can read about him later on in the, in the Gospel of John when it says that two men, after Jesus was crucified, went and helped bury Jesus. One of them being a man named Joseph, the other one being a man named Nicodemus. I believe this is the same Nicodemus. Nicodemus' life was forever changed by this encounter with Jesus. And he didn't come to Jesus out of, you know, because he felt guilty. He felt, he came to Jesus because he needed to know, man, we know that you are from God. And we, I, I need this change in my life. I need something to change. Something's broken. Something's missing. Something's out of the ordinary. I've got all this status, all this position, but yet I feel empty on the inside. You know, this man, Nicodemus, was a very familiar character. We work with people like him all the time. Come on, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, odds are you have a joy of the Lord that is living inside of you. You should be walking in all the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, we should have these, these fruit. And I mean, this is what Jesus was operating in. He was operating in this, this fruitfulness. Like it was, something was different about Jesus. And Nicodemus says, man, what is this about? What is this about? Why are you so, why are you different than all the other rabbis? Why are you so different than all the other teachers? What makes you so different? You see, Nicodemus was interested in, in what was happening in, with Jesus' people. So he came to Jesus seeking, saying, man, I need a change. And friends, I believe that if we allow God to minister to our hearts in the house of peace, then we're going to start making a difference in the place of praise. People are going to start noticing, man, Mike, you got a little hip in your step. I don't know if you have that, but I'm just saying, man, there's a joy about you, brother. There's a glow that's coming off of you. And it's it's not just here. 
I'm picking. He, that's my friend. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to pick on you. Forgive me. You forgive me? Okay, good. But I mean, there's something. And, and, and listen, he, so he comes to Nicodemus. D, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, what is this? We know you're from God. We know there's something special about you. Man, that's, that's effective ministry. When people come to you to hear the gospel. Because you live a life that's exemplary. You live a life that's different. Come on, they don't just come to you because you look all buttoned up and feel like you got it all together and you use words like glory to God, hallelujah. I don't go talk to people like that. I mean, I do say that from time to time, but mostly when I'm preaching. But if I'm out in the world, I ain't like just talking like, you know, like that. That would be weird. But if you're doing this thing right, there should come a time. Man, what is it about you? What's happening in Jesus? I love what Jesus does. He goes right to the point. If you look in, 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 in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I can just about imagine Nicodemus' response in that moment. I mean, what is he thinking? What do you mean born again? I was reading this story this morning, and I was reminded a few years ago, I had bought a computer. I had Windows. Back when I was working in the oil field, we used PC because we haven't evolved yet to apples, right? Some people think that's funny, I guess. I don't know. But, but man, I was like, I, I'm, I, I thought I knew it all. You know, I was like, man, I'm just going to set this computer up. It's going to be awesome. I've got this Windows XP thing, and I'm downloading software. I'm boom, boom, boom. It's all awesome. And the next thing you know, my computer starts to run a little slower. You know, it's like it's getting a little groggy. Every time I open it up, it takes moments. It's like, yeah. And then I would open up a window on the Internet, and it was like 75 pop-ups would come up. And then sometimes I would actually turn the computer on, and it would just be a blue screen. Have you all ever seen this before? And I realized really quickly that something was wrong with my computer. You know what it was? I had downloaded a virus, and this virus was keeping my computer from being effective. Now, listen, I tried everything, man. I, I went, they didn't have really YouTube so much at the time, but I went on the Internet, and I read and researched and did everything that I could to fix this virus that my computer had. I mean, I would download other software that would just make things work, and then I would delete this and reload this and all this other stuff. And finally, I went to the Geek Squad guy, and he basically said, hey, man, he opened up my computer. He says, yeah, I know what this is. He said, your computer must be born again. I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, I need a new computer? He says, no, there's nothing wrong with your computer. It's just the software that's downloaded on it. it, it it's corrupting all of your files. So we're going to have to reset it, completely wipe the, everything off of your computer, and, and restart it, factory reset it. And I'm like, no, I've got files on this thing that I need. So I was like, listen, I'm going to go get a second opinion. So I closed my computer, went and got another opinion, and they said exactly the same thing. And here's what was the problem. I didn't want to let go of the things that I couldn't use anyway. I, I had all of these things that I thought had value, but in reality, I couldn't even use them, and I'd never be able to use them. So the only thing I could do was reset my computer 
You see, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, brother, man, I've got all this emptiness inside. I've got all this problems. I don't really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just experiencing the fullness of God. And Jesus looks at him and said, brother, you got to have a factory reset. Because I can't fix all the broken religion that you got going on within you. All of those files are corrupted. So many Christians today, they come to us, they're like, man, I'm really struggling in sin. And instead of just saying, friend, you need to be born again, we say, man, we've got a great class that you can come to. And all we end up doing is really just hiding all the corrupted files. But let me tell you this, they're going to pop up again one of these days. Jesus says, no, Nicodemus, while you have time, don't waste your time with the classes. Don't waste your time with the seminars. Don't waste your time with the conferences. Don't waste your time going to this person and that person. You just need to do a factory reset right now and be born again. Man, that's some tough stuff. But that's what I did. So I got my computer and I said, all right, Mr. Geek Squad guy. Make my computer born again. I guess he was saved because he literally told me, he says, man, your computer needs to be born again. I should have said, friend, are you born again? I just wasn't really as quick-witted as I am now. Some people call it wit. Other people call it being smart. I'm like, I don't know. You know, just I guess it depends on who I'm talking to. But I said, okay, man, here we go. Born again, my computer. So he reset it, factory reset it, back to the original, and he started downloading all the right files, all the right systems, all the right things, and then my computer began to run right, and I can do things that I was supposed that the computer's supposed to do. And it was it was a very useful computer, but I was real careful not to download any other viruses. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't visit websites unless they were approved by the company that I was working for. Josh, you say amen. He works in IT. Because I realized that whenever I would do things on my computer or go places that weren't authorized, you see, my computer would start running slow again. Then I'd have to go back to the IT guy and he'd have to delete the files and we'd go through all this process over and over and over again. You see, I believe that that computer thing was like a picture of justification and sanctification. You see, my computer was saved the moment he hit reset. But then from that point on, I was responsible to keep my computer out of the mud because it was trying to go all kinds of places it wasn't supposed to. You see, in our Christian life, this is what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. He's like, friend, you don't have a hardware problem. you got a software problem. You need to be born again. So, of course, Nicodemus, in all of his wisdom, said to him in verse 4, I'll read 4 through 7. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You see, so many circles in Christianity, we, we walk away from this idea of born again. We trade, born, we trade being born again with inner healing. Nothing wrong with inner healing. Nothing wrong with all of that stuff. But if you're not born again, there's no point in trying to do that stuff. The first step is being born again. You need to be saved. You need a hard, a hard reset. You see, I bought a, a computer, another computer story from a guy. I bought a used computer. And uh, he sent it to me, and he didn't re- factory reset the computer. So, so I got the computer. I'm like, man, he had a lot of great stuff on here, like free software. I don't have to pay for it. This is awesome. 
The problem was is that it, it was kind of cumbersome and it slowed the computer down and it ended up having pop-ups of things that I didn't want to look at. You see, sometimes when we come into the church, we have a tendency to just kind of lead people into freedom instead of getting people born again into freedom. You see, the reality is, is if we want to be saved, if we want to be born again, then some things are going to have to die. You see, Jesus wasn't telling Nicodemus, man, you need to go back into your mother's womb and start over. No more than whenever I brought my computer to the, to the guy, the Geek Squad guy, did he say, you need a new computer. The computer I had was fine. Software was bad. You see, being born again, the body we have is fine. Our physical body, for some of us, is pretty good. It's doing okay. It's workable. We have a software issue. And sometimes we just need to hit that reset button so that we, we can begin to grow. And I say this in staff all the time, but I'll share it here this morning. You see, most people don't want to be saved because they realize that growth in Christ causes pain in life. Growth equals pain. And you're like, man, Pastor Joe, this is supposed to be the good news. Well, it is good news because it's growth. But growth is going to be painful. It's just part of the process. Why? Because growth requires change. You see, you're not going to grow in your faith if you don't change the things you do. If I would have even hit the reset button on my computer, begin to continue to do the exact same things that I always did, I'd be right back in the same place. I had to hit the reset button and then change some things in my life. I began hanging out with people that were different than the people I used to hang out with. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. Read that in the Bible. Also lived that out in my life. I realized that by and large, I am a weak-willed individual. So are you. Don't look at me like that. It's just part of it. We, we think we're strong, but in reality, we can't even deal with our own temptations. We need Jesus to change us. So we have to change ourselves. We have to be willing to change. I can't continue to do the same things and expect different results. Y'all know what that's the definition of insanity. Growth requires change. You have to change something. Well, you say, man, I don't feel close to God. Change what you do with your time. Spend more time in prayer. I don't feel like I have enough money. Change what you do with your money. and Because what you're doing right now ain't working. I don't feel like my marriage is doing that great. Change something. See, growth requires change. Change requires loss. Anytime we change something, we have to lose something. That's the biggest problem. You see, when I got saved and I wanted to change my friends, I had to lose my old ones. I actually had friends that would call me and say, man, what, you too good to hang out with us anymore? I said, no, man, I'm not too good. But Jesus is good. And I know that me and you together ain't good. So I'm changing the people I hang out with. And I began hanging out with people who went to church. And we went to like church stuff and prayed, sang songs. It was weird, man. It was only weird because I wasn't used to it. You know, but once I began to say, oh, this is good. I began to realize that even though I've lost one thing, I've gained something much better. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, welcome home. You see, although you may lose the things of the world, come on, you gain something so much better in Jesus you see, Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. In other words, if you want to truly follow me, if you want to truly know who God is, then you need to lose those old friends, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of these other C's. And you need to start following Jesus. And you're gonna, your life's going to be changed. 
man, I, I walked that out. This isn't theoretical, hypothetical. This is reality. You see, growth equals growth equals change and change equals loss and loss equals pain. You know, changing and growing in your faith is going to be it's going to be painful, but it's worth it. Even Jesus looked and he looked at the cross. He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew that the necessary pain that he was going to go through was for the salvation of our souls. You see, many of us, we're willing to do the church thing. Man, how many of y'all ever heard this term, church hurt? Remove, uh, get a new vocabulary. You wasn't church hurt. You were just hurt. Quit blaming all your problems on the people that's here to help you. Does that mean they're all perfect? No. Room got really quiet. People were like, oh, Joe, went too far. I live too far. My point is this. If we, as a church body, continue to use language that, that, that brings injury to the church, to the world, then the, then the place of peace loses its place of praise. If you have a problem, come talk to me. Don't go talk to nobody else. Talk directly to me. I may not be able to fix it, but I can try. You know what I mean? Oh, Jesus. So anyway, we need to begin to operate in a place of being born again. Last thing. Worship team, come on up. John 3. This is part of Jesus' conversation with with Nicodemus, John 3, 16. Most of you are familiar with these verses of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the good news. Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I came so that I can die so that way you can live. I came to provide a way for God to hit the eternal reset button upon your life. You may have made a mess of things, but I've came, I've come to make them right. Because the direction that the world is going in right now is a direction towards perishing and eternal death. But Jesus says, I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through me might have life and that life eternal. That's the good news. The good news is that, man, we have an opportunity to hit the reset button. We have an opportunity to say the past is gone, but the new is before me. I don't care how long you've been lost. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. There's an opportunity here today, right now, where you can hit that reset button and say, I am leaving this past behind and I am going to follow Jesus from this day forward. And let me tell you this, friends, there's no easing into this decision. You can't ease into it. You can't try Jesus. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to come to church and see if it works out, see if I like it. Because I can guarantee you this, if you just come to church and not make the full commitment to Jesus, who's the leader of the church, then you're never going to like it. 
and you're going to carry around this church hurt label. Because you were never fully submitted to the work of the church in your life. See, this, when you hit the when that guy on the Geek Squad hit reset, boom, screen went black, and it was all gone. All of my files, all of my folders, all of my search history, all of my, everything was gone. Come on, the same way when we say, Lord, I make you my Lord and Savior Jesus, he's better than the Geek Squad. He hits that button and he says, it's all over. It's all erased. It is not remembered. I don't see your sin anymore. It no longer exists. All I see is the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came that we may have an opportunity to hit the reset button. That's all Jesus is. He's a factory reset for our souls. I thank Jesus 20 years ago. I hit that factory reset. Did I lose some things? Yeah. I don't want them back. God began to download new software into my heart. He began to download the message of love, compassion. He began to download a hunger for his word, for the gospel, and for the lost. When God began to download new files into my heart, he downloaded the Holy Ghost into my heart, set my life ablaze for the things of Jesus. Friends, I'm telling you today, right now, Jesus is offering you the reset button. Come on, no matter how far you've come, no matter how far you've fallen, no matter where you are in your life, if, if you want to say, I am done with all that, I want to start new, start fresh. Come on, you're not abandoning the old. You're embracing the new. We use these terms in Christianese. We say that new wine will burst old wineskins. You can't pour new wine into old wineskins for the new wine's going to, it'll burst and rupture the old wineskins, Right? In the same way, you can't pour this Jesus-type faith into old wineskins. Jesus was telling Nicodemus, friend, you have to be born again because what I'm going to pour into you, that religion can't contain. I, I, I'm, if I had like a big button, man, I'd have it right here. Boom. Push. Bam. Reset. And you know what? This is the beautiful thing about us. This is what I love about Jesus. This is, Brother Scott, this is why the good news is so good. Because his, if I mess up, his mercy is new. How often is, it, how often is it new? Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. I'm not saying you can continue to sin. No. But I'm saying, you're going to mess up. I've messed up. I just walk over to that. And this is what's good about it. Now I've got some files that are like safety files now, you know, that no virus can touch. Where moth and rust do not destroy. See, now I've got treasure in an incorruptible file of heaven. That the devil has no playground in. Why? Because I've been born again. I've been born again. So this morning, I just 
I just want to pose this question as you all stand. Would you stand with me? Some of you here today, I'm not even... Some of you just need to receive Jesus. Well, you have... I'm not saying that you're wicked or bad or evil. That's not it at all. But if you feel like your life is messed up, you don't need me to tell you that. If you feel like Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a religious person, like if Nicodemus walked into this room, we'd be like, wow, man, look at this guy. He's like religious. I don't know. It would be impressive. He'd be like some world evangelism or something, you know, evangelist. He'd be a prophet of prophets. He'd be somebody important that we'd recognize. Man, that's Nicodemus, you know. And, but Nicodemus was empty on the inside. And he knew it. Jesus didn't go say, Nicodemus, you're living in sin. No. He said, Nicodemus, if you're living in sin, come on, I... You can be born again. You can receive me. You can hit the reset button. We can try this all over. You can start from scratch. You can wipe the slate clean. No judgment. You become part of the family of Christ. So this is all I want to do this morning. We're not, no altar ministry team right now. This is all I want to do. Come on, if you're saying right now in your heart, saying, man, my files are corrupted. I, I feel empty inside. I, I just really feel this, like something's lacking in my life and I need, I need to be filled with the love of God. I just need Jesus to change my life. I need Jesus to touch my heart. I'm like Nicodemus. I, I, need, I just want to come to Jesus and And have him give me new life. There's an opportunity to do that here today, right now, in this moment. I don't, you could have been coming to church for 20 years. That's fine. It's not what this is about. It's not about church attendance. It's not about preaching ability, but it's about your heart. It's not a hardware issue. It's a software issue. And some of us, we walk around with corrupted files and broken software and confused hearts. And, and then we blame other people because we don't, we don't want to surrender that to the only person who can really help us. So I just want to take a moment. And I don't want, just asking, please, don't, don't leave just yet. We're going to sing a song. If that's you, if you say, I just need a touch from Jesus. This morning, I need to hit that reset button. I'm going to invite you to come. Would you just come to the front this morning? Well, don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Just make your way right here to the front. I'll give you an opportunity to do that as the worship team plays and sings this song. We'll take five minutes, maybe. Just stick with me five minutes. We want to give an opportunity to pray for those who've committed to follow Jesus or just need a reset in their life. Amen. If that's you, would you come forward? Cause when you walk into the room, everything 
If you're up here and responding, can you just look at me for just a second? Come on, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you like more than you can possibly even imagine or think. I mean, just imagine this, this concept. I'm a dad and I have kids and I try to tell my kids how much I love them. And it's like impossible for them to truly know how much I love them. How much more does your father in heaven love you? Like he loves you so much and he wants to see the best for you. And he wants to see you grow in your faith and become a world changer. 
to everyone around you. He wants to put the spirit of the living God. I mean, think about that. The creator of the heavens and the earth coming to live in your heart. It's a powerful truth, a powerful reality. So I just want to take a moment and pray for you. I'm going to ask now the altar ministry people. I don't just kind of walk. Would you stand behind each and every one of these people? Just stand behind them. Altar ministry helpers. Would you come and do that for me? Come on. We're just going to come into agreement. Just stand behind them. Come on right now. Come on church. Could you just extend your hands toward these, these hearts and just begin to pray. Come on. If you have a heavenly prayer language, would you just begin to pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for the cross. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. Lord, that it says in your word, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Lord, that it says that, that the enemy now no longer has a stronghold in our hearts. But we receive Jesus. Come on, if that's you, would you just repeat these words after me? Say, Jesus. Come on, church, just all, let's all repeat this. Jesus, I receive you in my heart. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but you're also the King of my heart. I repent of my sins. I don't want that old stuff anymore, but I want to receive the new stuff the good stuff. I want to receive Jesus. So Jesus, fill my heart with love, compassion. Fill me with your spirit. Change me and make me new. I surrender my heart to you. And I thank you for saving me and changing me. And I pray these things by the blood of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you pray that prayer, I believe Jesus just reset your heart. Come on, he, he just hit the reset button. He just hit the reset button. Well, you don't have to carry those old burdens anymore. Give them to Jesus. You can walk in newness of life. You can walk in hope. You can, that smile, that's already, you can walk with a smile on your face knowing that Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Amen. So come on, church. Can we just, just, thank, just show our appreciation for them and give some praise to Jesus here this morning? Amen. 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 I'm going to ask my altar ministry helpers, if you would, would you just grab the name and maybe a phone number, some kind of way we can get in touch with you. We want to contact you and reach out to you and just give you some next steps in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Y'all go in the peace of the Lord. Listen, if you're sticking around for first steps, we're going to meet over in the warehouse. Go through into the lobby, go down the kids ministry. We'll be there set up, ready to go at 1 p.m. We'll see y'all in just a few minutes. Y'all be blessed. Amen. Amen.